Lieutenant. <laughs> Still feels weird saying that. Lieutenant's personal log. May 2386. Temporal Investigations Headquarters. Starfleet Division. Admin Office. Today is the first day with my new team. I hope to make a good first impression. To lead fairly. To uphold the sterling office of admin for the Starfleet Temporal Records to the best of my abilities. Hello, Lieutenant. I am Captain Trotter of the Records Department. Welcome back. Uniform looks cushy. This way to your office. Forgive the secrecy, but we have a new assignment for you, and it's a bit experimental. I'm eager to meet my team. I understand they're hard workers. Indeed, indeed. In fact, one of them was doing your job before you got back. Really? Will they be okay with a demotion? Demotion? Whatever you want about I'll be here to lead my team. Oh, no, 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 Lieutenant. I, I meant doing your former job. You'll be part of their team, not leading it. They, uh, mentioned I'd have a team. A team, yes. To watch out for you. Not have a repeat of last time, right? Evidently, you're sort of a commodity, I guess, for illegal godlike beings. With that device you have, we need to keep you protected, don't we, Sunshine? Uh, permission to speak freely, sir? What exactly is my job now? Ah, never mind. Here we are. Welcome to your office again. I believe you are acquainted with the Commander Pad. Commander what? There must be some mistake. I'm working for a pad. Of course, of course. They did such a cushy job, we thought we'd keep them for, uh, you know, continuing filing the reports. So, what do I do? Oh, well, never mind. Here is your personal security officer. I don't see anyone there. Are they a cloaked Jem'Hadar soldier? Have the Jem'Hadar joined the Federation? No, my dear lieutenant. No need to be rude. This is your security officer. This is Lieutenant Commander Fuzzy. Mrs. Fuzzy, sorry, a lead infiltrator officer. She has single-handedly brought down more Orion smuggling rings than I've had replicated dinners. So I'm working for a pad and triple. A problem, Lieutenant? No. So what are my duties? Ah, there's the special assignment. The reason for the secrecy. We need you to sit at this desk and re-evaluate history and make recommendations, new reports, and re-examine Starfleet operations from day one. We are in a unique situation to not only watch, but re-examine real history using your device. Starfleet Intelligence and Temporal Investigations places this as a high-priority mission. Are you up to the task, Lieutenant? Uh, I guess. Captain? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a boy. I'll leave you to get acquainted, alright? Then good luck. Uh, hi there. Um, let's get going, I guess? Spacetime. The ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second Contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast.
Hello and welcome to the Temporal Trek podcast. We are in season three. We are beginning the 22nd century with the Enterprise era. And uh, we're in season one, episode one. Uh, We're beginning right at the start of Broken Bow. But before we get started, I'm not going to be doing it alone. I have another guest on the device. Just going to call him up now. Paul, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Is that you, Dan? It is. Ah, yes, it's me again. Yes, uh, we haven't spoken since uh, I think it was the twentieth century. I think. Yes, yes, it, it does feel that long ago. Yes. <laughs> I didn't leave you on hold this time. That's always good. No, no, yeah, you did disconnect. You thankfully, yeah, because the bill for that last call was horrific. I mean, you know, astronomical, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I took uh, shares out in the uh, in the company, so in a few years' time, I'll be rich. Oh damn it! I've just broken Temple Triumph Directive. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, right, I've got to make a note of that. But give that into my my bosses there. All right. Well, how have you been, Paul? Uh, it's been a while since the listeners heard from you. So, uh, how are you doing? Yeah, we're we're all good here. Yeah, I mean, we're still obviously at this moment in time in this uh, in this century. We are in lockdown. Um, again? Still, yes, yeah, still not again. It's it's still, still. Oh. oh. <laughs> so that's so, so what? Uh, Nineteen years, I think, wasn't it? Nineteen years you've been in lockdown now. Oh, it, right, okay. It's yes, that's right. It feels like nineteen. Yes, it might give or take a year. But but yeah, we're all good. I mean, we're we're, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. There's been lots of vaccinations, and uh, me being so old, obviously, I've have, uh, I've had mine. Uh, uh, I had my first one, and my wife's had the first one, so we're, we're we're okay. We can we can half bump into each other. Um, <laughs> Maybe 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 it's not six feet apart. It's it's just three feet apart. Oh right. So, so more than just that. You know, shaking hands with elbows instead of exactly yeah yeah. Which is oh, awkward and bad when you try and say goodnight like that. You know it's it's not the same. It's yeah. bad for a marriage. Really bad. Well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to convince her it's sixty feet and not six feet. But never mind. It's, um, You'll get it's it. all good. Yeah. Be yes. Be it's all good. Yeah. No, the family's good, and we're, we're all uh, now that the, the sort of spring has sprung, and we're, we've come to the warmer snow um, rather than the cold snow of the winter. Yeah. Uh, the British, uh, the British uh, spring, giving us snow on the early parts of April. Um, we, we, you know, there's more sunshine, and we're all feeling that a little bit better. The flowers are out in the garden, so yeah, we're all, we're all good. Things oh, are positive. Absolutely. I do like the warm snow. It's much nicer. Yep. It's not yellow it's... snow, which is always helpful. As well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, for the listeners who might not remember, who or might be coming straight in at Enterprise because this is their favourite season uh, and favourite series, um, remind the listeners uh, who you are. Where can they find you, first of all? Well, I am uh, one of the hosts of the Cosmic Pizza Podcast and Cosmic Pizza Podcast Extra Toppings, uh, which is a, a great little podcast where we talk about anything and everything and you know, slices of life you know, in the in the cosmos. We, you know, we'll, we'll speak about anything in the cosmos in little slices. Uh, the extra toppings are bite-sized pieces of uh, Mars uh, rovers landing on Mars. We talk about uh, all the accidents that have happened over many years. Um, you know, we, we, you know, we, we talked about lots of little things in the extra toppings. The main uh, Cosmic Pizza podcast, again, we talk about anything. We've spoken to uh, authors, uh, directors, producers. We've spoken to uh, uh, the owner of the Snips DVD store, one of only two in the UK that's, that's still left. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, it's a nice little podcast. And I believe it has somebody called Short Vundaloo Vund- or something. Uh, Vindaloo. Sean, Sean, Sean Vin, oh, Vandaloo. Oh, that's it. Sean Vandaloo 
Yeah, some Canadian guy uh, who, oh, who has snow right. most of the year round. And uh, mm. not warm snow, no, it's very cold snow up there. And um, some of the some of the guy, um, D- Daniel Hotch or something, I think his name is. Uh, uh, I, I can't remember his name. Okay, doesn't ring a bell. With a name like that, he's got to be a jerk. Uh, he, yeah, he yeah. He, yeah, he's instantly forgettable as as is uh, uh, Prawn Vindaloo, whatever his name was. Um, so <laughs> you're the yeah. main host, so that's okay. As long as we've got you, I, I, I am the, the only host apparently. <laughs> <laughs> There's other guys who come and go. It's fine. It's all right. Um, I did hear that you were doing a bit of a uh, captain's knockout, and it was involving a couple of Starfleet captains throughout history as well. This is true. We've done that. We've done the the first round, uh, which was a little long, but we got through. We had so many captains to uh, to, to choose from that we uh, we had to have a very big first round. Thirty two captains. Uh, we pulled the names out of a hat. We put them against each other with, again in you know, using five categories: um, luck, you know, sort of guile type of thing, uh, skill as a captain, and um, various uh, um, categories like that. Um, over five rounds, so each, each captain would, would would fight each other over five rounds, and the winner of that would then go through to round two. So we've done round one, and we're on to round two, and that'll be coming out in a in a uh, well, it depends when this comes out, but it, uh, it'll be it'll be out soon when we record it. Um, it then leads up to quarterfinals, semifinals, and the final, and we'll see who uh, who the two uh, captains are in the final. That'll be interesting. But we did we did have. Um, uh, we, we had uh, Jonathan Archer and we've had um, Captain Picard and, and uh, not just the Star Trek people. We've had uh, real captains as well. So Captain Ramius from uh, Hunt for Red October and uh, Captain Hook was one of them. Uh, uh, Captain Nemo was it was uh, an interesting one. Uh, Janeway, of course, and we've had Captain uh, Carter from Stargate. So lots and lots of different captains we, we had fighting against each other. So, yeah. Yeah, that that sounds like a, a lot of captains I've I've seen in other realities on the device that I've been using for this show. So uh, that sounds quite interesting. I'll, I'm I'm going to start listening to those episodes myself. I think um, try and figure out who these other two hosts are as well. Yes, yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Before we really get into the episode as well, this is the first ever proper Enterprise episode where we're going to get into. Uh, we've had some scenes in Enterprise, and it's mostly been episodes where I've been on my own. Uh, so it's been nice to sort of talk to other people and yes. see what they like <laughs> about the show. Um, so what are your sort of memories, your first memories of Enterprise coming out of the scene? Did you like it? Did you not? All those sorts of things. Okay, so when it first came out, when was this? About the mid-2000s? 2001, I believe. 2001, right. Okay, early on. So we just started a family at that point and... and uh, also, I think it came out on either Sky or maybe even Channel 4 or 5. And at that time, um, in our house, we struggled to get Channel 4 and Channel 5 as a decent signal uh, back in the days of aerials and things. Um, uh, we didn't have Sky. So it passed me by. And obviously, you know yourself, you have kids. Things do tend to – early on, it, it went before kids obviously can do things for themselves – Things got a little bit sort of hard. Work was you know, working late and finishing, you know, starting early and all this type of thing. So it passed me by, and it was only when I started podcasting in, ooh, I think it was 2014 or 2015, um, and I got onto the uh, the Star Trek um, Trekmate website, 
and we started doing 10 forward. Um, and people were saying, oh, have you seen Enterprise? And I said, no, I've never seen Enterprise. I've never, I, I can't get hold of it. I don't know what it is. I haven't got Sky. I can't, you know, can't go back to it. I wasn't going to buy the DVDs. And one of the guys lent me um, his DVDs, and I managed to watch the, the whole thing then. So it was really sort of 10 years after, or even longer than that, 14 years after it started, that I got to see it. And it was the first new Star Trek I'd never seen before. So this was all brand new to me. And I'd, you know, I'd, I'd seen Voyager when that came out. I'd seen uh, Next Generation and DS9. I obviously saw uh, TOS about 10 years after it came out uh, originally. So it was all brand new to me. And I didn't know what to make. And I'd heard some good things and bad things about it, as you do you know, with, with all series, TV series. And um, I watched it the first time through and thought it was it was good. It was obviously more up to date and more modern in the sense that uh, there were stronger women characters in it. Uh, there was a lot of um, a lot more skin and bare flesh than I was expecting. You know, scandalous. These decontamination. <laughs> I know these decontamination scenes uh, were, were a bit raunchy. I thought, oh, well, okay, yeah, I suppose you got to do it if you want to. But it must have been written by fourteen-year-olds. I mean, you know, they just had no idea how to how to treat women properly. Um, I mean, I think uh, at one point in, in a future episode, uh, you'll obviously be talking about how she loses her top at one point when she jumps through a hole in the in a, in a hatch. And uh, you think, really? You know, it's a bit... Uh, this is not Star Trek. Yeah. But anyway, by the time it had finished, I st- I, although I rate it as... Um, before this Discovery turned up, um, I rated this in... Uh, as, what have we got? We've got TOS, uh, Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and then Discovery for me. Um, uh, sorry, not Discovery, Enterprise. Uh, Enterprise. And then after that, Discovery. So, But that doesn't mean it's bad... It just means that maybe that is about a 95%, whereas TNG will be 100%. So it's only a little bit down the list. It's still Star Trek, so therefore it's still good. Um, and I must admit, I've, I've rewatched, um, Broken Bow, obviously, for this uh, episode, um, and uh, you know, getting ahead of the, getting ahead of the game. And I, I wanted to watch it because I was thinking, maybe I can just do a rewatch of this. I mean, it wasn't all bad. And I, and uh, I think I might just I might just uh, carry on and, and watch a few more and Ooh. see if we can get back into it again. Well, it almost sounds like you'll be coming back for future episodes. That's that's that'll be great. You know, you'll have mm. it all all researched and ready to go. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah, I've, I'm exactly the same as you. Uh, when it came out in 2001, uh, I was. Uh, as I've said in a previous podcast, the first time we had an Enterprise scene, which was way back in season one, um, the first time I ever heard about it, uh, it was exciting and I wanted to know more about the show. I was in Florida uh, at the time of the 9-11 attacks, which was supposed to be two weeks before the airing of the show, and it would change my outlook on what I was expecting to see from a Star Trek show. You know, before then, everything you could argue was quite serene and quite um easy uh comparatively for star trek to deal with so your tngs your ds9s and your voyages as far as world politics things were quite calm you know the 90s were about coming out of the cold war they were about calming uh, tensions around the world in certain areas yes we had other wars and things like that but nothing quite as prolific as what 9-11 would cause so this is going to be the Star Trek in an era of new turmoil, and it kind of overshadowed what I thought Star Trek should be delivering. Um, and it, when I first watched it, and when I saw the episodes on Channel 4, 
it, it kind of felt like it was missing a couple of the punches. Like it needed to just just deal a few more blows, a bit more statement, a bit more uh, commentary on what was actually going on at the time. And some of those episodes do. But as you re-watch all the episodes back to back, you feel like, well, this is kind of just a, uh, that's a TNG episode, that, uh, that's a Voyager episode. They're just rehashing the scripts. They weren't doing anything new until you get later on in the seasons, your season threes, your season fours, where they're really starting to push it. They're a bit more comfortable in what they're doing. And then they start making those kind of commentaries, as well as tying it back to some of the old TOS eras, some of the old storylines and so forth. Um, yeah, it's something that I hope will change, that this whole watch through will change my outlook on Enterprise. Um, and maybe season one and season two I've been unfair towards, uh, and I hope that things do change. Yes, I know there are a few cringeworthy scenes coming up uh, that you've just mentioned, Paul, uh, which I'm not looking forward to going back to, but unfortunately, <laughs> there we go. Um, but for now, we are going to go to the pilot, but not the whole pilot. Um, we are still not in full episode rewatch territory just yet. We are going to be doing a few scenes prior to the beginning of Enterprise, set in the year 2121. So let's get started. We are going to start at timestamp 0 minutes and 0 seconds in the episode Broken Bow, the pilot for Enterprise. Uh, we have Archer, who is approximately age 10, based on his biography. It's not explicitly stated in this scene, uh, but based on when he is born, how old he is roughly in these scenes, he's about age 10, so that places it at 2121. And he is painting a model. And the very first words of a Star Trek show, and also the first words in canon, in history, I suppose, are where no man has gone before. Um, uh, any thoughts on that? Just as a quick opener, just making the model, and also the scene in general uh, when he's talking to his father. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a good, uh, nice little setup. You, you don't know who these two are to start mm. with. You, know, you, you have no idea. You're one of them, you know, obviously, that the father calls uh, the young lad Jonathan. You don't know who that is. Um, his painting skills are pretty good on that uh, model, though. I must admit, he's got a steady hand when he's doing around the cockpit. Yeah, there's Absolutely. a good bit of painting there. Mm. Um, then he paints the, the, the nose, so like a yellowy browny color, a yellowy sort of color, and it, that looks okay. But uh, you know, and he's going around the edge of the nose nicely, and then he just slaps it all over the front of the nose. I thought, well, why didn't you just do that in the first place? <laughs> I've made models in the past. Living I know. You, you paint like I know. I can't do it properly. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, where no man goes before. A nice little nod to all previous um, episodes of Star Trek. So it's a good. Uh, it's actually, it's, it's, you know exactly where you are now. You don't know who these two are yet, but. Mm. Um, you get an idea they're going to be an important part of the uh, of what's to come. I think one of the things that stood out for me was uh, that in their conversation, quite early on, the boy uh, says, whoever this boy may be, um, is that bigger than Ambassador Pointy Ears' ship? And, you know, <laughs> it, it kind of gives you this idea that, oh, maybe things aren't quite uh, as Star Trek-y yet. Uh, I thought it was quite a clever little line just to say, well, actually, humans aren't perfect at this moment. They are, they're still using kind of slang terms to describe other races and, and things like that. So I thought it was it was a quick way of saying that things aren't 100% as you kind of know them. Yeah. 
Ambassador Pointy. Uh, yeah, Ambassador Pointy <laughs> ship. Um, uh, he also says that um, you know uh, why is your ship not built yet? Uh, Billy Cook uh, says he talks about this friend at school who's uh, apparently got an inside information that his dad some for some reason doesn't have. Um, I did think that maybe Billy Cook was some sort of history reference to to Captain Cook. Maybe Captain Cook and William Christopher, who you know did all the voyages around the world, maybe that was some sly thing, but maybe that's just the writer in me trying to find connections that aren't really there. Uh, but uh, any other thoughts on the idea that the Vulcans are holding back the humans? That um, this will become quite prevalent through all of Enterprise, but just from this scene, sort of how it would be set up, do you feel that they they really got into the meat and potatoes of wait a minute, like, there's a real resentment here? Yeah, that's right. It was very surprising because obviously this was a history we didn't really know. Mm. I mean, we knew that there was this first contact, obviously, and we'd, we'd, we'd seen that. And the assumption was that once we'd been in contact with the uh, with the Vulcans, it was all away you go. And you know, there was you know, it was obviously there was a lot of sharing of information. We we then got rid of all of the wars, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, and it was just a surprise to suddenly hear that these guys were actually holding us back. And you think you're not ready yet, and you're ready. Well. How are we going to be ready if you don't let us go? So yeah, it's um, it was yeah, it was it was it's obviously sets up the uh, the you know the it's a very good setup for the whole premise of the show and 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 uh, characters there that we see later. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh... That really brings us to the end of that scene. Uh, that ends at 44 seconds. We don't even make a minute at that scene, and it's already set up so many things about what we know Enterprise will become. Uh, we then skip over to another very quick scene at 18 minutes, 38 seconds, as we see the same two characters uh, flying some sort of levitating warp core uh device i guess some it's going to be uh, part of this model and they're testing it they seem to be quite happy uh, it levitates all the way up to 18 minutes and 50 seconds and that's all that scene is it's just two characters smiling at each other with a levitating warp core that's pretty much it um <laughs> i don't think there's anything really to say about that so there we no, go it was, it was it was an interesting device though i didn't i, I didn't you know, understand what it was and then they sort of this thing was hovering around i thought oh what? Why? What? What's this? And then, then they put it in the ship and they fly it around. And they go, okay. So why? What? Why haven't we used this more? What, what is this exactly? It was very. The, 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 there were so many practical things that could be used for that. I mean, the applications would be incredible. Put them in chairs. Have chairs floating around. Make it people who make people who have got uh, maybe you know weak bones. You could put them you know things in the legs that they could sort of make, make it slightly easier on the legs. And it's not there are so many different things you could you, you could get rid of all of those jetpacks. <laughs> you know, it'd be what's what's so much easier, uh, so much yeah. easier. I mean, you know, you've got um, the ability to float everyone round, so you wouldn't really need to walk. So why is everyone so fit in the Star Trek universe? It, yeah, why is everybody walking around? Yeah. Bizarre. It's all this transporter rubbish. You just yeah, float people. Be great. Why not? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but other than that, I couldn't really think of anything else uh, for that particular scene. Um, moving on, this next scene could be quite contentious. Now, in all of the previous episodes, I've said that we are only going to review scenes that are actual history as they happened. 
we wouldn't be seeing any footage. Uh, so that's the reason why we didn't cover uh, the head cam footage that was in uh, Discovery that showed World War III. Uh, because if you're watching footage, then presumably I would have to make about 50 episodes of all the footage from this Enterprise season and series of all the different ships throughout history and all the Enterprise models and things like that. And I didn't really fancy doing all of those episodes. So I made the rule that it can't be footage of history. It has to be history as it happened. So there is this scene, 52 minutes, 9 seconds, all the way up to 52 minutes and 41 seconds, where it's the two characters again flying the model and Archer or uh, Jonathan Archer seems to be struggling with controlling the device using this handheld uh, joystick which looks very clunky uh, even compared to now I mean thinking of remote control drones and things like that the controls are quite thin you know quite easy or you could just download an app on your phone and do it that way instead um, so he's using very clunky technology maybe he built it himself who knows um, and then the model crashes the characters go over and uh, the, the father character, Henry, who we find out later, just says, you can't be afraid of the wind, which is a lovely sentiment. But before this scene ends at 52 minutes and 41 seconds, we're going to cut there when they look over to the beach and something that isn't necessarily history, but is possibly imagined happens. So we'll come back to this when we do our episode review for Broken Bow in its entirety, because that will be in someone's mind it's not time travel it's not history so in case anyone wants to come back with me with any feedback any feedback at all people please any feedback <laughs> i know it's a podcast but come on any feedback at all um come back do you feel that this scene should be in there but let's talk about it because presumably this scene did happen in history any thoughts on you can't be afraid of the wind you know instantly, as soon as that's said, that that's going to come back later <laughs> on. You just know it's one of those sayings that it, this will this will be something that he takes with him. You know, my father once said, "Don't be afraid of the wind," and all this. You just so it's, it's a big it's a big moment. It's a, you know, it's one of those things that everybody who has a you know who has a father who's been teaching them how to do things in their life, and they will give them this the pearl of wisdom you know and, and everybody must have one, you know, a pearl of wisdom they've heard from the father at some point you know it's uh, it's an amazing uh, you know nice little bit don't be afraid of the wind it doesn't really mean anything unless you're flying a model aircraft on a beach <laughs> but uh, but we'll see we'll see how that, that uh, very true very true or maybe if you're, you're eating a can of beans and uh, you don't want to be afraid of the wind that's pretty much all i can think of <laughs> the only two times that it's ever useful you know uh, maybe he uses mm. it with the chef on board the Enterprise. Uh, you know, don't give me the the beans because I'm really afraid of it. And he just turns around and says, well, didn't your father say not to be afraid of the woods? Um, but that's the only thing I could bring out of this, uh, this scene. Um, and then we've got the final part, uh, the final scene, which is one hour, 25 minutes and 22 seconds, all the way to one hour, 25 minutes and 38 seconds. So very, very quick, this one. But it's... Jonathan Archer steering the vessel again with that clunky joystick off into the sunset, not afraid of the wind anymore, and he is triumphant as the credits start to roll on the episode. And that is it for 2121. Um, any other thoughts? Anything that might be brought up from these scenes that you would have thought about? Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll come, we'll come to um, uh, some more ideas when you come to your rating system. Um, it was all very nice, and when you take it as we have now, all in one lump, um, it sort of highlights the, the problems with 
the whole thing. When you see it in little bits, you see little flashbacks, it obviously relates to a part of the program that we're watching. Mm-hmm. So it does have a bit of um, a bit more meaning. But there, I do have a couple of issues with it. So we'll we'll come to that when we come to the uh, the rating system. Okay then. Well, speaking of the rating system, just for any new listeners, anyone coming in fresh for these uh, episodes. We are using the LCARS system. And no, it's not trademarked because I know I'd get into trouble if I did. Um, the LCARS means L, what we've just been doing, locating the point in time. Next will come C, which will have a slight change to it, which I'll go into in a moment, uh, which then goes on to A, which will be alterations, where we uh, talk about things we'd like to see done differently or expanded on or changed in any way. And then we do R for recommendations, which has two strands to it. Again, I'll come into more details. And then S, which is just me setting up next episode. But our first one is C, or the next one is C. Um Normally, uh, for all of our episodes, we've had time travel. So I've been using that as C for continuity. But in this case, there's no sort of time travel involved. So we're going to go for consequences. Is there anything set up in these scenes that will mean something later and uh, have a knock-on effect? Will it uh, perhaps change the way Starfleet is run? No. In my opinion. I don't think so. Because there is nothing happens in, in this. We don't know who these people are really, until later on. Um, we don't know who the father figure is and what he does, so we, do, we don't know if there's going to be any consequences to, to, to what's happened, because really there isn't anything that's happened other than flying a, a model around, a couple of pearls of wisdom, uh, which obviously does have a consequence later on, because it sort of... Um, gives uh, Jonathan Archer a bit of a boost and you know, he said, all right, okay, I understand, don't be afraid of the wind. You know, so, so that was a little bit of a consequence, but anything else? No, not really. Yeah, yeah I, I was sort of struggling with this one because because you get that pearl of wisdom, because you get the, you can't be afraid of the wind, you are setting up perhaps a personality for a captain-type character for a Starfleet vessel in the future. Without that pearl of wisdom, perhaps he doesn't become the Jonathan Archer we know um, later on in Enterprise and as history will remember him as as well. However you know in a lifespan uh, given that we pick up with Jonathan much later in his life uh, in the episodes to come you know, one piece of advice when he was making one model with his dad as lovely as a memory as that might be you feel like you know was he that bad of a dad that there was just one good day that he's pulling all this information from and that all the rest of his childhood was horrendous? I mean, what's going on there? Um, you know, uh, was, uh, was Henry really, you know, uh, distraught at being held up, held back by the Vulcans? And, uh, you know, he was a terrible dad who just brought it all home. And that's why we don't see the mum. That's why we don't see any other family members, which just them too. Um, you know, there was, there's so many things that, could be happening in the rest of Jonathan's life that could have been a flashback. Um, it's nice to think that you know one, everything stems from that one moment with his dad, but really not that important. So as far as consequences, I don't see any legislation being drawn up or anything that's going to change Starfleet as is, uh, even though Jonathan will lead the charge and begin Starfleet's exploration. Uh, our next one, then, is Alterations. Anything you would like to have seen expanded, changed, or altered uh, about these scenes? Yes, I would have liked to have seen the father um, at his work. 
maybe you could see him struggling with the designs or he's you know, really sweating or he's spending too much time at work and not enough time with his kids or you know you know all we see of him is playing with with Jonathan on the beach which is all very good but i we don't know who he is really is he a pilot it's mentioned that it's you know is your ship like this you know mm. but we don't know whether he's the pilot the designer um you know he could be the the cook he, you know he could be the you know the cleaner holodeck sweeper anything you know it could be anything we don't know who he is. So we don't really know when we come to further down the line, when they start saying the Vulcans are holding us back, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yes, it was your father's ship. It's all, it, that's all later. That, that's all thrown in later. And we don't, we don't know any of this yet. I think it would have set it up better if they had just mentioned that, you know, here he is at work, uh, maybe talking to his wife. Oh, those Vulcans, are, I'm sure they're doing something holding us back. And maybe Archer's in the background hearing it type of thing. Um, considering that this is a two, yeah, the, the, this, the broken bow is a two-parter, so we would have had enough room in the episode to have things like that. Maybe even put it over three. Who knows? So, um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed. We didn't know the father's involvement in the ship, so I, w- I would have changed that. Yeah. No, I can I can see the exact same things. So when I was sort of looking into season one of Enterprise, just to do the general research on what the plan was supposed to be for the season and how things morphed over time, the idea was to actually build up what essentially Broken Bow is as an episode over the whole first season. It was going to be much more Earth-centric and the political um, wranglings that Jonathan Archer would have to go through and the, the hoops he would have to jump through to then get the permission to go out into space. Um, and I can I can understand the reason they would just want to get into space. They want to make it more of a Star Trek show. Fair enough. But I like that idea that there was a struggle to get out to space. It seems as though it's just fortune uh, that what will eventually happen and the reason why they get into space just falls into their lap. Um, there's there's not a, a big build up. There are some nice scenes that show Jonathan putting his crew together, which we'll come to in episodes to come. But there isn't this big uh, swell, the big build-up of why it's so important to this character. So I would have loved to have seen more scenes, as you say, him working on his engine, perhaps have a little office space where he's drawing up the designs of what will become the Enterprise, but it looks a little bit different. It's that the pre-concept designs, maybe use the pre-concept designs that the artists were doing for what will become the NX-01. And the model they're building is the basic model for the Enterprise. So it shows that Henry is teaching his son. He's showing it. Perhaps that would have played into the the dialogue. You know, he, I think that the Vulcans are holding us back and that Henry was trying to push it into his son that if I don't teach you how to do this, then the next generation won't know how to build this ship because I think it will take us that long for the Vulcans to give us the permission to go off and explore the universe. By having that thread, by having him sort of admitting defeat to the Vulcans holding him back, then it's Jonathan Archer's job to pull them out and you know keep them pushing and really give him a drive as to why it's important that he teaches you know um, the Vulcans that the humans are ready for us uh, to go out. Um, just a little bit more character with Henry Archer, I think, would have just given us that little bit more from the from the get-go if anything and like you say it is a two-parter there's more than enough time to do that and when we come to our broken bow um uh watch through we'll probably see oh, maybe those scenes could have been cut and we could have got a little bit more of that depth as well 
So yeah, I think we're both in agreement. We would have liked to have mm-hmm. seen more Henry Archer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And throughout the season, you know, more flashbacks would have been great because mm. we would have really got a sense of why it's important to Archer beyond a few lines. Um, mm-hmm. Just, yeah. just seeing the man. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, that's alterations. So recommendations. We always start with Star Trek fans. Are these scenes, just these scenes from Broken Bow, important to Star Trek fans? No, I don't think so. Not, not, not to Star Trek fans. There's not enough. There's not enough meat on the bone, really. So no, I don't think so. Yep. Um, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, it's not enough to go on. Again, it comes into that alterations uh, that we just spoke about with a little bit more detail, perhaps a little bit more of a, a push through in the dialogue, which then impacts the rest of the episode. It might have been something to recommend, but on their own, they could easily be lifted from the episode and the rest of the work being done with, you know, flashback dialogue, you know, just talking about, oh, it's your dad's ship or he designed it. It could all be done just doing that. So to Star Trek fans, yeah, can't really recommend. What about non-Star Trek fans? If we were making the, uh, the perfect brainwashing kit to get someone into Star Trek, do you think these scenes are helpful? perhaps to bridge the gap in what your time period is to this time period with Enterprise? No. Again, there's, they're too short. There's, there's, there's nothing there that, that anybody could latch onto and say, oh, I remember that bit. You know, later on down the line, they're saying, oh, remember those little scenes with the kid? And the... No. <laughs> no, you've forgotten them. Yeah, I, I can't think that I was ever that successful building a model uh, when I was trying to be, when I was 10 years old at least, I couldn't have painted it as well as he did, even with the, the last bit where he just sort of gives up at the end. But, you know, I, as much as I tried to make models, this doesn't sort of invoke any imagery for me or help me to, to come into it at all. So I imagine it would be the same for a non-Star Trek fan who is just watching these scenes because they're there, because they've been put into the episode. They don't necessarily need to be there or would be helpful to non-Star Trek fans. Okay. Well, that is our recommendations. Well, it's short and sweet. There you go, Paul. Um, thank you very much yeah. for being on the episode. I believe we've got you for the next one as well. Yes, yes, I believe so. So that'll be fun. Looking forward to that. Oh, yes. And speaking of the next episode, we are going to be jumping from 2121 to 2142 before the launch of the NX-01 in the Enterprise Season 2 episode, First Flight. So join us next time for that episode where we start at time stamp 6 minutes and 22 seconds. Thank you very much for listening, and I will see you in the next time stream. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to it. If you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback, you can contact me by either searching for the Temple Trek Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter at Rider underscore Coattail. Also search the Temple Trek Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore Writer. All the timestamps for the show can be found at ridingcoattails.simplesite.com. The scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction, and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty-free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, 
If you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream.